Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Thank you so much for tuning into Balanced Black Girl. My name is Les. I'm your host, and I appreciate you tapping in today. So we're at this interesting point in the year where 2023 is winding down. We're starting to think about the new year. And I know that the new year is a big time for reinvention. It's a time where a lot of us look at different goals. We look at, okay, who have I been this year? Who do I want to be? It's a time that we start thinking about maybe glowing up a little bit. And so I'm so excited to welcome our amazing guest today, Miss Jody Taylor, who oh, is thanks. a corporate bad content creator. <laughs> I think of her as just a glow up guru um, because she just drops so many gems, always shares with us. Jody, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is incredible. I have been a fan of yours since back in the day. So this is very serendipitous and very surreal for me oh to be here. Goodness. So I'm very happy to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you here that we've gotten mm -hmm. to connect while I'm here in New York. Mm -hmm. I think I first found you on TikTok maybe about a year ago. Okay. Yep. And... What I loved about how you share is just so openly. You're like, hey, I learned this tip mm -hmm. and I'm going to, mm -hmm. here, I'm going to put everybody else mm -hmm. on. Like mm -hmm. opposite of gatekeeping. Right. If opposite of gatekeeping was a person, it would be you. <laughs> I, I'm very flattered. Thank you. <laughs> and so as we kind of get into the end of the year, I know a lot of us are starting to think about our goals and reflecting mm -hmm. on where we've been this year, mm -hmm. where we want to be. And you talk a lot about what it means to glow up and the different areas of glowing mm -hmm. up. And I want to get into that. But first, I want to talk about your personal experiences with just how you've evolved, how you've mm -hmm. come to know this information, your own personal evolution. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in a very small town in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. It was very homogenous. Mm -hmm. I went to a very homogenous prep school. I'm also the daughter of Jamaican immigrant parents. And so information was siloed for me. Like yeah. I did not know anything about Jack and Jill. I did mm -hmm. not know anything about programs to do, different careers that you could have. If anyone has immigrant parents, they know it's either being a doctor, a lawyer, maybe working in finance, maybe being an engineer. But those are sort of like the career paths that you have. Mm -hmm. So I just had this very siloed experience where I just didn't have access to information. And I sort of it was like a coming up on happenstance sort of way that I was able to navigate my life yeah. from a career perspective, from a interrelational perspective. And I just really, I found myself very lucky to like kind of figure it out. But I also yeah. realized that there is an entire demographic of people, particularly women, particularly women of color, who just don't have access to that information. Yep. Once again, it was an internship that I randomly did. And maybe someone there took me on as a mentor. Mm -hmm. Or when I was a sophomore in college, I interned in New York. And that sort of exposed me to the breadth of career paths that exist. And so really just being able to sort of democratize this information yeah. has been really important to me. Because mm -hmm. I know there are so many women out there who similarly don't even know that some of these careers exist or yeah. don't even know what living in New York could look like yeah. or what a junior board looks like mm -hmm. or how to design your life in a meaningful way. Yep. And so for me, it was really important to share that information. I started TikTok for real, for real about 
honestly, about a year ago. Mm -hmm. So probably when you saw. Mm -hmm. And that was also sort of birthed out of, I was going through a season of like tremendous loss. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of accelerated a lot of this glow up as well. Yeah. My dad passed away about a year ago this Mm -hmm. time, which is when I started doing TikTok because Mm -hmm. that taught me to live a lot more urgently. I was going through a breakup, Mm -hmm. my 31st birthday. Mm -hmm. We broke up. I was in Cabo. So I had to spend my entire 31st birthday flying home. Which was that those two things alone were enough. And then I got laid off from my job and all of these things. So it was just this back to back sort of sequence that one gave me the time, space, the mental capacity to really be reflective. Yeah. And so my intention with my TikTok has always been to to share and democratize information. And my biggest transformations or glow ups have always come from those seasons and periods of complete what do they call it? Dark night of the soul, Mm. devastation. You know, once again, my TikTok was sort of born out of this period of a deep loss. Yeah. When I cut my hair and really started focusing on wellness and fitness Mm -hmm. was, I was going through a very deep therapeutic cycle where I just sort of wanted to disabuse myself from Mm -hmm. like traditional beauty standards. So I shaved my head. Mm -hmm. So all of these sort of like quote unquote glow up moments, the job that I have now came from me being laid off, Mm -hmm. were really reactions to periods of time where I had the capacity to think um, and reflect. And so glow ups are not always these sort of frivolous, vain moments in time. I think they're really born from having the space, time and capacity to think about where you are in life and Mm -hmm. those sort of punctuating moments and then Mm -hmm. being able to create a plan of action to sort of counteract those moments. So that has sort of been my glow up journey. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think those examples you gave of even what was happening in your life this time last year is such an incredible example of taking things that are really hard Mm -hmm. and turning it into something really beautiful. And what I also appreciate so much about what you share and how you share, and you just touched on Mm -hmm. it, is that it's not like a frivolous Mm -hmm. thing. You're talking about substance and things of substance Mm -hmm. and how to make genuine connections and not just how to get in the door, but how to thrive Mm -hmm. where you are and Mm -hmm. step into your power, which I think is just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like a really critical component of Mm -hmm. all of this. And I won't lie. Some of my stuff is vain. Like some of my stuff is get Botox, get Invisalign. (laughs) Because we all want to feel good. Because we all want to feel good. It's part of it. Exactly. And I also think like To me, the moments where I felt the most comfortable and confident in self has always been those moments where I am investing in myself. And it sounds, once again, like kind of like duh or frivolous, but truly when you are spending the time, Mm -hmm. effort, resources on really reflecting and pouring into yourself, that then shows up in how you show up into rooms, that then creates a standard of treatment that other people are supposed to give you, Mm -hmm. that you expect of yourself. Mm -hmm. So once again, getting Invisalign and Botox, It's so much, yes, those are things that I talk about, but it's also deeper than that. It's Mm -hmm. also this concept of self-investment. And I think so many women and women of color are over-indexing on self-sacrificing and not indexing enough on Mm self-investment. And that's what's important to me. And then, of course, I talk about joining a junior board because that's also something I didn't know, like Mm -hmm. what joining the Frick or Lower East Side Girls Club of Harlem looks like, Mm -hmm. or Lower East Side Girls Club looks like, because you're just not exposed to that information or knowledge, irrespective of socioeconomic status. It's just these siloed groups of information. And those pieces of information, whether you choose to action on them or not, Mm -hmm. can be transformative. At Mm -hmm. least you have the information to sort of move with intention. So I try and be as transparent as possible because no one was transparent with me. Mm -hmm. And that is... Once again, I just failed upward in sort of figuring this stuff out. But you can fundamentally change your life if you have access to the information and choose what is relevant for you and then move your life and design your life instead of having life sort of happen to you. Oh, that's major key. And I think so much of our conversations and what a lot of us get taught, Mm -hmm. because I also, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, which probably was a very similar experience to what you had in Massachusetts, where it's like very homogenous. It was like the emphasis was just on getting a foot in the door. Yes. Go to school, get a job, and then stay put. Don't mess Mm -hmm. it up. It was Mm -hmm. never like, here's how to grow. Here's how to thrive. Here's Mm -hmm. how to make an impact. Here's how to invest in yourself. Like, what did that even mean? Right. You know, we were. I wasn't exposed to those things, honestly, until the past few years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. My premise is always centered around maximum optionality. Mm -hmm. I want for myself to have the maximum amount of options and hopefully the people that 
listen or pay attention to my TikTok also have maximum optionality once again to not only get into the door, Mm -hmm. but they can say, you know what, I tried this and I don't like it, Mm -hmm. or I tried this and I want to sort of climb up this corporate ladder, or I envision my life. I think the concept of proactively designing your life is one that, once again, when you come from a, a background, an immigrant background, inherently there's a scarcity mindset, yeah. right? Because you're coming when you're black in the U.S., when you're mm-hmm. a woman in the U.S., yeah. it is a scarcity mindset because you are told that resources are not available to you. As an immigrant, your family's leaving behind what they knew yeah. and sort of rebuilding from scratch. You take some paths that have been predestined, right? You know, okay, go to college is good. Get yeah. a job is good. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where it ends. Yeah. But the concept of actually proactively designing your life and saying, you know what, I want to be a VP at this company by XYZ age Mm -hmm. and then reverse engineering your career to do so. Or like thinking about how to make mentors or advocates or sponsors. Sometimes you don't really know that you're supposed to do that. You're like, I think I work hard and then that's what happens. Mm -hmm. But the concept of like proactively sort of creating optionality in your life is one that I'm really obsessed with because I think that is not... It's a luxury that's not afforded to everyone, but if you can at least have a sort of like idea of what you want your life to look like, feel like, and how you want to experience this mm-hmm. life, you can sort of design it and kind of create your your own outcomes that way. Yeah, definitely. When I first started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. I have wanted to create podcast merch for a while now, but I'm a little intimidated by the process. So I've started digging into what it takes and I'm learning that Shopify could make it a lot easier than I thought. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're promoting protein powders or selling superb supplements, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So the platform really grows with you and with your business. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash balancedblackgirl, all lowercase, all one word. Go to shopify.com slash balancedblackgirl, lowercase, all one word, now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash balancedblackgirl. What have been some different things that have inspired you and how you've designed your life so far? Yeah, I would say from a career standpoint, I had this really profound exercise that I did Mm -hmm. when I was, it was my first job out of college. Mm -hmm. I was at a nonprofit, not making a ton of money. I was living on the fifth floor of a fifth floor Mm walk-up and it was deep in Harlem, almost the Bronx. And my manager at the time asked me to look at the lives of three women, look at the careers of three women Mm -hmm. that I wanted to emulate Mm -hmm. and print out their LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. post it on your desk. And almost reverse engineer your career that way. Oh, wow. What great advice. I know. I use that to this day uh, with my direct reports. Mm -hmm. But essentially, it's this concept. And and what I didn't know at the time that was happening, one, it's being an expander or looking at expanders in your Mm -hmm. life. So the women that I printed out, like a Valicia Butterfield-Jones, the woman that I now work for, these women looked like me. They had these very beautiful, full lives. And they were serving at, you know, my age, 21, 22, and they were maybe 40 or 
you know, late 30s, early 40s, they were serving as expanders for me, mm-hmm. of me to understand that like the aperture of what I want out of this life is a lot bigger. Yeah. And there are women who are living that and yeah. sort of designing my way towards it. Mm-hmm. So designing my career really came from finding people in the industry and a lot of observation. It was mm-hmm. a lot of sitting back and seeing, okay, this woman, she is not standing alone. She's a VP or an SVP or an EVP. But she has a board of directors around her who are Mm -hmm. also advocating. She has sponsors for her. How can I start to build my board of directors? How can Mm. I start start to build sponsors and advocates for myself? Yes. So that was how I designed my career. How I designed my life was really centered on the way I wanted my life to feel. Mm -hmm. And I was able to design it intentionally at some points, I think in my early 20s or throughout my Mm -hmm. 20s, rather, I designed my life for maximum optionality. Mm -hmm. So I worked in industries and fields that I would be able to net a salary that I could feel a comfortable life with myself and purchase or not purchase, rent an apartment (laughs) that I felt comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But as I got older, so I think I did the proactive groundwork in my 20s, the really foundational tactical things like make X amount of money, have this amount of savings, Mm -hmm. have this amount of equity. But once I got into my late 20s and now early 30s, I pivoted away from the tactical things because I think those things are important. And then more into how do I want my experience to be for the next five years, 10 years? What do I want to feel? What do I want to experience? Mm -hmm. And so now that I have the foundational stuff down, I'm leaning into the uh, sense of ease Mm -hmm. and the sense of fluidity and the sense of, once again, optionality. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is also sort of how I designed my life as well. So being on junior boards and, you know, having a good career and, Investing in friendships, et cetera, were the tactical things. Mm -hmm. But once I've gotten those tactical things down, I began to sort of envision and figure out and really get into my body around, okay, Mm -hmm. I have all of these things. What Mm -hmm. feels good to me? What do Mm -hmm. I need to release? And what do I need to invest a little bit more in? Yeah. uh, Taking that feelings-based approach is Mm -hmm. so good because it gives you that fluidity. Mm -hmm. And your body doesn't lie. Like Your gut will tell you if something's off or if something feels good. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I. I shared this on my TikTok, but I had a therapist who was so profound Mm -hmm. around doing body scans. Mm -hmm. And she really taught me the the gift of understanding what your body is trying to signal to you at any given time. So I noticed whenever I got nervous or sad or was talking about something really difficult with my therapist, Mm -hmm. I would rub rub myself, like rub my hands together, Mm -hmm. rub my feet together. And now I can apply that to a job interview that Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm rubbing my hands. Mm -hmm. My conscious mind is not picking up on what's happening here, but my subconscious is. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take this as an anecdote or a note for me that something might be a little off and I need to investigate this a little Mm -hmm. bit more. In dating, I'm rubbing my hands on this date. Mm. My chest is a little tight. Something's going on here. Mm -hmm. And it helped me, I think, particularly for people who are you know, high achieving women who are in their careers or folks who are in their careers, you can intellectually gaslight yourself out Mm -hmm. of what you intuitively know. And so a huge win for me in this area was being able to listen to my body and understand the cues of when I feel unsafe and when I feel safe Mm -hmm. and when I know I should progress and there's a green light there. Mm, That's so good. And it's something that I think we learn Mm -hmm. so much later than we should. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I think we I think we intuitively know it mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. and then we've been gaslit out of knowing it. Yep. And then you have to almost return. And I think a lot of your late 20s and early 30s is almost returning to this infantile state of like listening to your body yes. and inherently knowing that your intuition is right yes. and assessing feelings and being able to identify emotions and share those with people. Because mm-hmm. I think for a good chunk of your adult life, you're yeah. disincentivized from doing that. Mm-hmm. And so- a big part of like my therapeutic journey and my emotional glow up, honestly, mm-hmm. is understanding like almost a return to self. Yes. It's like a huge part of of what this work is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's why that inner child work and reflection mm-hmm. is so important yeah. because our inner child knows. Oh, they know stuff yes. before we get convinced otherwise mm-hmm. or gaslit or programmed mm-hmm. to want or mm-hmm. be inclined towards other things. Yeah. Like that's still within us. Yeah, exactly. And I think once again, this concept of like not designing your life on what you want it to look like yep. because we've always, we have gotten some things yes. and we get it. Yep. And we're like, oh, wait, I've gotten jobs where I'm like, oh, once I get this job mm-hmm. and post this on LinkedIn, yep. I'm going to be feeling so, and you get it. Yep. And you're so fundamentally chronically unhappy. Yep. So I'm really working on 
once again, tapping back into what feels good mm-hmm. and what experiences do I want to have that are expansive, that are pouring into me, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Because that, I think, returning back to this like sense of self, yeah. I think we lease ourselves out to a lot of people and mm-hmm. a lot of concepts throughout yeah. our life. But returning back to self is huge. Absolutely. And that's how we also don't get caught up in doing things for other people or mm-hmm. people pleasing or doing things because other people think we should mm-hmm. when we tap into how it makes us feel. Yes. People pleasing. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that I think a lot of us are working through. It's a constant battle. It is. Yeah. It really is. So you mentioned that you had worked with a really great therapist. I know one of the other things that you did during the pandemic specifically was you invested in yourself Mm -hmm. in a lot of different Mm -hmm. ways where you had different coaches and support systems for different areas of your life. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that went? Yeah. The pandemic was traumatic for me. Like, lo and behold, it it was a time. I went from I was working at Google at the time. Mm-hmm. I was in my late 20s mm-hmm. and Google was fun, yeah. right? I worked with my best friend. My manager was one of my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, Google was essentially this like collegiate playground that, you know, you made a paycheck from. And it was it was social. I had friends and I had this vi- vibrant social life. And it, it was sort of this idyllic phase that I was in. And yeah. then it sort of abruptly stopped for mm-hmm. me. I was living at the time in a... 400 square foot, one bedroom with no natural sunlight. And I didn't even realize it because I was always out and I was always having fun. Mm -hmm. And then one day your life changes in which you're stuck in the house in a bedroom that is like, you don't even know. I could wake up at 10 a.m. or 2 p.m. or 8 a.m. and it would always look like midnight. So that alone is debilitating. So the pandemic was really challenging for me. And I had to figure out a way to use this time in a way that was meaningful Mm -hmm. because otherwise I would just deteriorate. Mm -hmm. Like there was no way if I didn't kind of like take hold of that situation. That was a very challenging, challenging time from a mental capacity, from an emotional capacity, et cetera. So I really wanted to sort of use, and I, I also viewed this time as a blessing. I think something that I'm really proud of myself for is being able to reframe hard parts of my life as like, what's the opportunity here? Mm -hmm. So seeing that there was an opportunity, I'll never have the chance again to work from home, Mm -hmm. have all of this free time, have all of this, you know, you're not going out, you're not spending money. So you have this excess of funds. I am really trying to capitalize on this unique moment in time. Mm -hmm. And what can I do to maximize this time? Yeah, And it sort of just kind of catapulted where I got a career coach a personal trainer, a therapist, and a life coach. Mm -hmm. And I spent, and not all of them were running concurrently. Mm -hmm. I maybe was working with like three at a time Mm -hmm. max. But each of them taught me something really, really profound. I learned about the concept of a wellness wheel Mm -hmm. and understanding the different components of that that make up your well-being. Rating them on a scale of one to 10. And if one of them is below a five, how can you create a plan of action to sort of bring that component of your lifestyle up, whether it's career, finances, friendships, et cetera. Mm -hmm. My personal trainer, I mean, you just will never have the amount of time that you have in the pandemic to work out before work. And that really taught me the sense of dedication. I had to be in the gym every morning at seven o'clock in the morning. And it sort of just created this practice of like listening to my body, Mm -hmm. moving my body that was really addictive and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then my therapist was an incredibly healing journey. I don't think I had realized how much uh, achievement and appearance had mm-hmm. been so ingratiated into my sense of sense of self and also yeah. my self-concept. Mm-hmm. And so being able to sort of parse these things out and mm-hmm. sort of redefine who I am based off of my authentic code was a huge part of my therapeutic journey. Mm-hmm. My career coach um, was really wonderful. I know I was complaining a lot about my manager at the time. And my career coach asked me, you know, have you ever asked your manager to meet your needs? And mm-hmm. that was a really profound statement. Yeah. Because it's very easy to complain about your manager, but asking your manager, hey, I actually really need you to be an advocate for me mm-hmm. is really scary. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes we don't even know that we can ask for stuff like right. that. Exactly. We don't realize it. Exactly. So learning that I could ask for it mm-hmm. and also being okay if whatever the answer was. Mm-hmm. So it was just this transformational time, once again, born out of a time that was very emotionally fraught. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the... I, I think the Ability to make your really challenging periods of time, yeah. approaching it from a place of curiosity and then a place of action is sort mm-hmm. of how I operated. And I would encourage anyone to operate from. And being in that really challenging place allowed me the sort of 
ease, desire, yes. urgency to seek help in multiple parts of my life. Mm -hmm. And once again, on the outside, I had a good job. I had lots of friends, et cetera. But those two to three years were fundamentally transformative. Mm -hmm. I was also getting into my 30s by the end of the pandemic. And those years were like the glow up years mm -hmm. from an internal standpoint, from an external standpoint. Yeah. Getting that assistance and help and having the time and space to sit back and interrogate like, what do I need to fix? Mm -hmm. Like, what's going on here? When you're always out in New York City, mm -hmm. you don't have the time, the latitude, yeah. the emotional clarity to sit back and say like, something's off here because yeah. you're constantly distracted and stimulated. Mm -hmm. So having that time was distressing, mm -hmm. but also such an incredible blessing. Yeah, such an incredible way to make use of that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, awesome. yeah. And I think too, even if people maybe aren't in a place where they can invest in those things, mm -hmm. that's still a really beautiful practice that someone can take to even look at expanders in those mm -hmm. areas. So can you follow someone who creates really great content that can ask similar questions mm -hmm. that a therapist would ask? Mm -hmm. And you follow someone who is career-minded, who, again, is giving content to help you reflect on where you want to be in your career. Follow somebody who yeah. has great fitness content and those workouts that you mm -hmm. can follow along with to focus on those different areas of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I I'm, I don't have an infinite sum. I don't even have, like, truly, these things were also bargains. My mm -hmm. personal trainer was a bargain. Yeah. It was like a friend of a friend, yeah. founded on Zoom, like, it was extraordinarily cheap. My therapist was because I had insurance through my job. Mm -hmm. um, my career coach was someone who I worked with yep. who also was going through a coaching program. So she actually needed to take on clients yes. to like meet her coaching requirements. Amazing. So it's also the veneer of like, I had all of this help. It's, it's that, sure, that's a great brand. But in reality, like I was getting a lot of support and help yeah. at a deeply discounted rate or through yeah. friends of friends or yeah. once again, through these innovative solutions. Like once again, mm -hmm. it, my career coach was not this like multi tens of thousands <laughs> of dollar career coach. It was mm -hmm. someone who used to work on my team yeah. at my previous job. Absolutely. Um, so learning how to be resourceful to mm -hmm. your point with expanders yep. online, but yep. also you would be surprised. Like some people I remember in college, I would get my hair done at like the student salon mm -hmm. or once again, therapy was free via XYZ yeah. um, insurance or mm -hmm. through this app, et cetera. So mm -hmm. there's also unique ways and strategies to decrease the cost um, and still have these experiences. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you said that yeah. because I think even within all of our communities and networks, there's probably people who have those skills who mm -hmm. would be willing to help. Exactly. Yep. Through yeah. friends, through work, et cetera. Mm -hmm. yeah. Speaking of networks, something that you do talk a lot about is just the power of building a solid network. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Why it's so important? I think a lot of people can be a little bit intimidated by the term networking because they can think of it as like transactional yeah. or they're like, I feel uncomfortable. What are some ways that networking can feel less intimidating? Yeah. I think if you understand like the intention and goal behind networking, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel as transactional and as like icky. Yep. I think what I was sort of observing throughout my career is there would be women who were all, and I, I'm talking to women because those were sort of the expanders and people that I was sort of emulating my career off of. Yeah, Women, women of color who were all equally talented, mm -hmm. but there would be some that just year after year, promotion after promotion, were sort of just eclipsing this corporate ladder mm -hmm. in a speed and dexterity that no one else could keep up with. Yeah, And they were equally as talented. I mean, everyone was smart. Everyone was capable. Yeah, But I noticed these women were just like kind of leapfrogging over their careers. Mm -hmm. And the women who were doing that were the women who had personal brands yep. and networks that did a lot of the legwork for them. Yes. And I think we've been sold this concept of a meritocracy, mm -hmm. work hard, et cetera. And you do have to have skills yeah. and you do have to work hard because mm -hmm. that is foundational. You're not going very far without it. Mm -hmm. However, the concept of having people who can serve as sponsors, advocates, yeah. brand ambassadors for you, mm -hmm. that will change the course and trajectory of your life, mm -hmm. of your career, of your of your personal network and, and life experience if you're able to sort of tap into these networks. So I saw women who had, and I did a TikTok on this recently called a brain trust, mm -hmm. where I noticed that a lot of senior level women that I worked with, we would be asking a question in a team meeting and someone, the most senior person in the room would say, oh, hold on, I have a consortium of people that I ask questions like this to if they didn't know the answer or they wanted to source ideas or, oh, we're trying to go to XYZ event or XYZ conference. You know what? I know someone who works there. Let me tap into this. 
And so the concept of having these set of trusted advisors, this board of directors, this brain trust almost, serves like a multi-pronged purpose in terms of being able to help propel you, mm-hmm. give you access into spaces and places that you wouldn't have um, had access to prior. Yes. They are gatekeepers of information mm-hmm. that you now have access to. Yeah. And so the concept of networking is not this, you know, petty transactional concept. Mm -hmm. It is truly, one, you're exchanging information, you're exchanging talent, you're exchanging. When I have mentors, it's Mm -hmm. not a one-way street. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing information, resources, opportunities for them um, in the same way that they are pouring into me. And it, once again, choose to network or not. However, I have seen the proof Mm -hmm. and quantifiable data that the people who network, the people who create brands around themselves as entities, as people, are the ones who will always continue to leapfrog and sort of have the best optionality out of life. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's so true. And it's like that genuine relationship Mm -hmm. building. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we think back to spaces that we're in or groups that we're a part of Mm -hmm. or jobs that we had, we don't necessarily remember who, you know, sat with their head down and did the best work. We remembered who we had experiences with and how people made us feel. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And another thing that I noticed when I go to these networking events is some people had a brand prior to them even walking into a room. And that if you're able to create a brand ethos around you, if you think of yourself as a product, and I don't mean to depersonalize mm-hmm. the like the human experience. But if you think of yourself as a product mm-hmm. and you have brand ambassadors who are advocating on your behalf, yeah. you have a product that people know, life opens up mm-hmm. so much for you mm-hmm. because people are plugging in, plugging you into experiences and they're saying, oh, I know Jody's brand is XYZ. Yes. I have this particular opportunity for her. Mm-hmm. I know she'd be perfect. Yeah. So just creating this like brand ethos around you, it's it's not reductive in any way. Mm-hmm. It is simply just like maximizing the work that you're already doing, amplifying the good work that you're already doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes I think people, especially if you're a little bit more introverted, can be really intimidated by that and think, well, I have to be an extrovert or I have to be mm-hmm. the loudest person in the room. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who's very introverted. Something that's really helped me just in my relationships mm-hmm. career is if I go to an event or if I go to something, I'm like, okay, I want to connect with one new yes. person. Yeah. I want to have a great conversation and exchange information with one new person. Like you don't have to be the center of everything, Mm -hmm. but one connection at a time, one genuine relationship at a time is how you can build a strong community. Absolutely. I think for introverted folks, having a sort of plan of action when you go to these networking events. Mm -hmm. So if there's an RSVP list, perusing the RSVP list beforehand, Mm -hmm. going on their LinkedIn and saying, okay, this person, these three people are people that I want to know. If I talk to two out of these three people, it's a win. Yes. I want to exchange a business card with one person or I want to send an email. Having mm-hmm. those sort of quantifiable goals yes. takes the, it takes the, I guess, like insecurity, the mm-hmm. fear, the like nebulous, ambiguous part out of it yep. and makes it very easy for you to sort of like attack and tackle. So yes. for anyone, regardless of introverted or extroverted, having an intention and a goal every time you walk into a room mm-hmm. is the way that you ensure that you don't let the nerves get the best of you mm-hmm. and also that you're walking out of it, not as a social event or a transactional event, but something in which you're actually reaping benefit and value from. That is such a good piece of advice, Mm -hmm. like a pro tip for everybody. (laughs) One of the things that we did touch on just now a little bit was a personal brand. And Mm -hmm. I would love to expand a little bit more on that concept if people are unfamiliar with what it means to have a personal brand and why it's important. Yeah. I think a personal brand is essentially the same way that, and I heard this really profound statement Mm -hmm. where it was like, Nike is a brand, Reebok is a shoe company, Mm. where it's like Nike has a brand ethos. If I were to walk into a Nike store Mm -hmm. or Nike corporate headquarters, Mm -hmm. I would know what to expect. I could almost anticipate the people that would be in the store. Mm -hmm. I can anticipate what the store would look like from a design perspective. If I were to like go on the website, I know what to anticipate. Reebok, I don't have as much clarity, Mm -hmm. right? I know I can get a pair of shoes when Mm -hmm. I go into a Reebok store, if they have Reebok stores, or if I go on Mm Reebok.com, I can get a pair of shoes, but I don't know what my experience will be like when I engage with Reebok. And so human beings are constantly categorizing things. That is how we keep ourselves safe. That is a biological function. Mm -hmm. And you want to essentially get ahead of the categorization by creating positive assumptions and a positive brand ethos Mm -hmm. before someone else can create that for you. Yes. Your personal brand is constantly being emanated through everything that you wear, mm-hmm. everything that you do in your spare time, mm-hmm. your career, yeah. 
how you, your friends that you have, Mm -hmm. and then also your online sort of exposure. Those are sort of the components of having a personal brand. Mm -hmm. And and it's not going to be like, you know, you can wear sweats and that doesn't necessarily mean your personal brand is X, Y, Z. But I think this sort of concept of you have a cohesive narrative about you. You like to volunteer in your free time. Mm -hmm. You're a, you work at a nonprofit. You only wear ethically sourced clothing Mm -hmm. and your, you know, your Instagram is you traveling to support underrepresented communities, et cetera. That is a very specific brand ethos. Mm -hmm. And now that I understand this brand ethos based off of what you've communicated to me, Mm -hmm. I can now think of you in a particular way in terms of giving you experiences. Oh, there's this charity benefit that I think you'd be really interested in because Mm -hmm. it's aligned to a cause that you care about. Yes. So essentially, you're just crafting the narrative that people will have about you Mm -hmm. proactively Mm -hmm. and in a way that supports your best interests. And it's not nefarious. Mm -hmm. Once again, we are constantly gathering information and garnering information from people. Mm -hmm. You want to provide, you want to be the source code for that information. You don't want them to gather it themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the brand. Mm, That's so good. It reminds me of small tangent, but it's related. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to meet Michelle Obama after she wrote her first book, which was just the most incredible experience. And so I got to sit and talk to her similar to how we're talking now. And one of the things that she said about why she wrote her memoir at that time, Becoming, was because she was like, I've been the first lady, first black first lady. Mm -hmm. People have all kinds of ideas, stories, Mm -hmm. opinions about who they think I am. But I want to make sure that my story is told correctly and I want to be the one to tell it. And her saying that, it's probably just going to stick with me forever. Her example is like a much grander scale, obviously. But what you're saying is like our own version Mm -hmm. of that, Mm -hmm. of our stories are out there. What version of our story do we want? And we can take control of that and make sure that our version is at the forefront. Yeah, exactly. I think people will continually to curate and craft stories. And it's not yep. always from, once again, a nefarious right. or, or malintent place. Mm-hmm. But once again, if they see a person who's working at a particular company who dresses yep. a particular way, they're already going to make associations based off of that. Once right. again, that's just how we've been socialized as human beings. Mm-hmm. But being able to sort of control that narrative to your benefit yeah. in a way that's also authentic to you, mm-hmm. right? And the the brand doesn't always have to be, I say these with a lot of caveats, right? Yeah. Like the brand doesn't always have to be cohesive and you don't have mm-hmm. to operate your life from like, oh, is this with the brand or not with the <laughs> brand? Like that's exhausting. Yeah. But once again, I think it's just important for you to assess what your authentic code mm-hmm. is first yes. and foremost. Right. And figure out like, what do I want to be known for? What exactly. do I, what, do, what opportunities do I want people to tap me for? Mm-hmm. What experiences do I want to have? Mm-hmm. And then how can I create a life via my friend group, via the things that I'm interested in in my free time, via the activities that I participate in, via Mm -hmm. my career, that will then beget those outcomes for me. So it's really about you. It's not really about other people. It's really about Mm -hmm. you ensuring that you are crafting your life in a way that almost, it's like you sort of see the destination and you begin crafting the vehicle, which is yourself, to Mm -hmm. get you to that destination. You, You put on the right set of wheels to get you to that destination. You get the right engine yes. to get you to that destination. So you're just crafting the pieces in mm-hmm. order to get you to where you're trying to go. Exactly. Identifying mm-hmm. as that person you want to be. Exactly. I talk about that a lot when it comes to healthy habits. When people are like, how do I get in shape? How do I do this? It's not, I want to get in shape. Mm-hmm. It is, I'm a person who works out. Yes. So it doesn't matter if I feel like waking mm-hmm. up and going to the gym or going to this class. Mm-hmm. I am a person who does it, yes. period. And then doing it. Exactly. That's yeah. a good... Atomic Habits was a very good Mm -hmm. book on this, where it's like creating systems and structures and identity-based changes, Mm -hmm. where to your point, it's like, I, it's very easy to say like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to do X, Y, Z. But when you begin to change your self-concept as someone who does it, Mm -hmm. then anything that negates that can no longer be like, it's almost like a code that you're writing. Like anything that negates that code will not it won't even be computed by the computer. Like it essentially gets spit out. So when you change your self-concept to someone who does these things, Mm -hmm. anything that's outside of that concept kind of gets rebuffed by your internal sort of mental mechanisms. 100%. And something that's also been really helpful for me, and, and I'd love to hear if you've had this experience as well, is I used to go on social media and feel kind of envious of Mm -hmm. other people if I'm like, oh, they got this opportunity or they got Mm -hmm. to take this trip or they have this or they have that. And starting to reframe that as like inspiration and being like, okay, 
I'm inspired. This person is showing me it's possible. If I were a person who did X, Y, Z or who had X, Y, Z, how would I move and Mm. how would I act and what decision would I make next? And allowing that to kind of fuel us Mm -hmm. when we embody those things and make those decisions can be really powerful. Yeah, that's so good. And I think taking everything as expansive, but also Mm -hmm. with caveats, Mm -hmm. like I think we can all reflect back on moments I've had experiences and moments where I'm sure externally looked fabulous. And then internally, I was dying. I hated every moment of it, like relationships and jobs Mm -hmm. and all of these things. So one, taking caveats, and this is not to diminish other people's experience or success, but it's also to normalize it. It's normalizing like there is someone looking at your page right Mm -hmm. now who is really like, oh my God, I cannot wait to be this person or I want everything that she has, which is really flattering and amazing. But you can look, I can look back at some of my, you know, Instagram or social media photos mm-hmm. where people may be like, oh my God, this is so incredible. And mm-hmm. I can also reflect back on, it wasn't the best time in my life. Mm-hmm. So one, normalizing the concept of social media and like humanizing it and realizing yeah. that like that one snapshot in time is not reflective of an experience. And, and two, to your point, expansive. Yeah. Like there's so many things that, you know, I'm still wanting to call into my life mm-hmm. and wanting to have And I find myself really, really being joyful when Mm -hmm. I see other people and even more so when I see people around me. Mm Because I think that's where it can also get tricky. Yes. Seeing it on Instagram with someone that you don't know, Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, oh, that's nice. But when your best friend gets the thing that you want or the girl that you work across, Mm -hmm. like across the cubicle from or who Mm -hmm. sits in your office gets the thing that you want. And being able to tap into that genuine, authentic joy when they get it, Mm -hmm. I think is something that it's a cultivated skill, yeah. but what it also communicates and, you know, I'm kind of woo-woo, but what it communicates mm-hmm. to the universe is like, I believe it's going to happen to me too. Yeah. So why would I, why wouldn't I feel happy for this person? Exactly. So it begins to get you, and, and I believe in energy and I mm-hmm. believe in when you're in that energy of being happy or excited for someone else, yeah. it communicates like I'm ready to receive that too. Yes. And it gets you on the same vibration of whatever you're trying to call in. So. Oh, completely. I, I am truly, and, and also keeping in mind that there are a lot of people who are looking at your life right now yep. and saying, oh, I can't wait to be there. Yep. Because I think it's always so easy to say, like, I can't wait to get to the next thing. Absolutely. When you're sitting in the next thing yep. for a long, for a lot of people and for, for you, maybe five, 10 years ago. So exactly. really taking stock of also all the great things, like mm-hmm. not just what's missing, but all the amazing things that you have, because there's a lot of people who want Yes, as well. Yes. Oh, that's such a good point. Mm -hmm. It also makes me think that as we talk about personal brand and how we navigate these different things in our life, it can also be easy to think that only the good parts are a personal Mm -hmm. brand, like our wins are Mm -hmm. a personal brand. But I also think how we navigate challenges is part of that too. Not that, you know, they're tests in any sort of way, but it can tell us Mm -hmm. a lot about our mental state, our Mm -hmm. character, what do we do with an opportunity to grow, to bounce back, to get better? And it can be really hard at times, but we also learn a lot about ourselves. Yeah. I, I think healing is like a, a circular staircase mm-hmm. where it's like you'll get yep. to the same point, but you'll, your response to that point will be a little bit different. So yep. you're kind of ascending the staircase. So I'll get back to here at one <laughs> point, but I might just be three floors up mm-hmm. and my reaction will be. So I really, really, really relish in the hard times of life, which sounds counterintuitive and almost silly. But I remember when my dad passed away, I broke up with my boyfriend and I was laid off from my job. It would be so easy. And I had a friendship that sort of ended as well. Mm. And this was in the span of four months. So yeah. every month it was like a new oh gotcha. And so... I remember it was like, it would be so easy right now to be like, oh, life sucks and life is conspiring against me. Mm-hmm. But instead it was an opportunity to say, okay, something something is trying to come through here. Something, mm-hmm. there's a lesson that I need to learn throughout all of this. Yeah. There's a curiosity that I need to stay present for because something big is on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. So let me just stay present and grounded. Yeah. And that response is very different from how we would have responded two to three years ago mm-hmm. without therapy, without self-investment, without the self-reflection. Yeah. And so staying really grounded in the in the bad things in life. And then now part of my personal brand is I'm resilient mm-hmm. or I'm able to see, I'm able to be optimistic. Yeah. And so the bad things are also part of your personal brand, but you can also always rebrand. 
And you, you can, can always pivot. Yes. yes. And you can always figure it out and integrate it as part of your story. Mm-hmm. There have been plenty of people who have done so. Kim mm-hmm. Kardashian went from one thing and now mm-hmm. she is a billionaire. Yeah. And so and a CEO and a mogul and has a private equity company, et cetera. Yeah. And though she's like a silly example or maybe not the most um, relatable example for many of us rather, nonetheless, it shows that like all things all things are working out in your mm-hmm. favor. Like all parts of it are good. Like mm-hmm. the 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 crazy stuff that happens to you, the unfortunate things that happen to you, all of that is sort of conspiring in your favor and can all be sort of incorporated into your brand. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think your ability to see that, I'm like, you sound like a Scorpio. <laughs> like that sounds very Scorpio to be able to like see the opportunities yes. there. Yes, we're like the phoenix is like everything is like ashen and mm-hmm. dead. And we're like, we can make something work out yeah. of this. Like we can we can right. figure this out. Like I know what's coming. Yes. yes. Yeah. Regenerative yes. is definitely in my nature. Absolutely. Very Scorpio-like. Yes. But I love it. I love Scorpios. I know. So. I love Leos too. Leos are my favorite. And I've really? said this publicly many times on my TikTok. All my best friends are Leos. All the guys. Oh the man yes. that left me was a Leo. So maybe not maybe him. Not him. Not him. Yeah, we're going to fast forward yeah, through no. that. But... I always, immediately when I'm able to connect with someone, a Leo. Mm. Yeah, Leos and Scorpios. I love that because I also feel like they're two signs that get a lot of… Yeah, there's a lot of opinions Mm -hmm. on those two signs. Both very strong, Mm -hmm. both sort of in different ways. I think Mm -hmm. Leos can have the like stereotype of being like very loud and Mm -hmm. proud and Scorpios are sort of mischievous, but both really love a lot of power and influence. But nonetheless, I think we're a vibe. Absolutely. I love Scorpios and Leos. Yeah. I think what I love about those two signs is like very passionate. I like passionate people. Same. Even if I don't always agree, I'm like, I want to know where you stand, how you feel. Same. And I think that's what it is. That's a really great point. Mm -hmm. I don't like like the sort of like wishy-washy sort of like, I really love Mm -hmm. people who have like a stake, who have an opinion, who have a thought process. And also who push back on me, Mm -hmm. can share opinions. Mm -hmm. Like I do love the sort of formidable nature of both of those signs. Mm -hmm. I think we're both fixed signs, which also makes oh, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, what is, what else is in your big three? Not to pivot to astrology, but now I'm Oh, just but I love know. astrology. I'm a Scorpio, Libra, Scorpio. Okay. Yeah. I I'm, so see the Libra. Really? Yes. Are you, so you're, you, you know about astrology as well. A bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same. Mm-hmm. What is your big three? So I'm a Leo sun, Taurus moon, Libra rising. Oh yeah. I can so see that for you too. Mm-hmm. Like this sort of like Epicurean lifestyle. <laughs> But also the Libra part, mm-hmm. like the beauty, all of that is like very... like Venus, yes. you know. Yeah. Oh, that's a good big three. Thank you. If I were to design a big three, I'm not, I'm, I love mine, but I'm not mad at yours either. Thank you. I like having a few different elements in there. I yes. think it does help for balance, balance. no pun intended. I was going like... to say, <laughs> but it, yes. that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, I love your big three. Thank you. So there's another thing. You mentioned it earlier, but I would love to come back to it mm-hmm. because we've talked a lot about like the career aspects, mm-hmm. the networking aspects. Around the beauty aspects, mm-hmm. you did share an experience where you have cut your hair and how yeah. liberating of an experience that was. Can you take us back there? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Cutting my hair was the best decision I've ever made. Mm-hmm. The impetus behind it. So this was also when I was deep in therapy in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. One, my hair was just always a pain point for me. Like Mm. it was just always something where I never really could get right. Mm. I couldn't, like, I didn't know how to style my hair myself. Mm -hmm. I also opted out of so many things because like my hair isn't done or I don't want to get my hair wet or and it just was like this big sticking point for me in my life, which I think a lot of women, particularly women of color, (laughs) can empathize with. So that was like, one portion of it mm-hmm. and the bigger portion of it. So I was that I was kind of already primed for it. But the bigger portion of it was during my therapeutic journey, mm-hmm. I realized how much I had been sort of self-idolizing and how much of my identity had come from the concept of do I look good today? Do I not mm-hmm. look good today? Does my hair look good today? Does not? Do I feel mm-hmm. attractive and beautiful? When I walk into a room, do you guys notice me? Or is it mm-hmm. and it was sort of this like fatigue that I had mm. where I was almost eliciting other people's opinions to decide how I should feel about myself that yeah. day. And I know we've mm. all been there as women. Like mm-hmm. we go out with our friends yeah. and let's say our friend that night gets all the guy's attention mm-hmm. and you go home and you feel terrible about yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. And I was tired of sort of repeating that cycle yeah. of once again, loaning my self-perception out to the concept and the opinion of other people, which yeah. is so fleeting. And I really just wanted to communicate that I was sort of disabusing myself of the public opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people I shared probably with my parents, like lightly, maybe a 
a year or two prior. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I kind of want to cut my hair. And of course the response was, no, you're going to look like a guy. Guys don't like short hair. But And so in that, I was sort of dissuaded from cutting my hair in the moment. And I think a lot of friends were kind of like, oh girl, I don't know. But it just got to a crescendo where I was kind of like, you know what? This is something that I can take ownership of. Yeah. This is one piece of me that I can own. Mm-hmm. I'm not lending out to public opinion anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I went to the hair salon and at first I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like cut my hair. And then I, at some point I was like, just get the clippers out mm-hmm. and shave my head. Mm-hmm. And it was just incredibly liberating. Yeah. And I was not, I, and it was at the point and I've never felt so free where I remember being like, if I walk in and it was Juneteenth and I know I had a bunch of parties to go to that weekend and I was going to run into people that I knew. And I remember saying, if I never hear, oh, you look pretty today again, I'm actually okay with it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need the validation or the external voices letting me know how I should feel internally yes. about myself. Oh, yes. And it's just like, when you get to that point of like, mm-hmm. I actually don't care. Yes. That is like the most liberating place you can be as a woman, where you just like own who you are as a person. You emanate the sense of confidence Mm -hmm. because you just like do not care about how other people receive you in the world. And so that's where I was, and it was fabulous. And it's and it still is incredible experience of like this this boldness that you have when you have no hair, Mm -hmm. and this sort of confidence that you have. And yeah, it was really just. A therapeutic healing experience. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for just sharing that. I think it's one of those things where, especially for Black women, our hair is just, Mm -hmm. it is a thing. It is something Mm -hmm. that we think about and that takes up a lot more space in our lives uniquely that I don't think there's any other group of people who have that same experience. What you were saying about how our hair will dictate what Mm -hmm. we participate in, what we don't, Mm -hmm. how we feel. And so just taking that off the table Mm -hmm. and just fully showing up however you want. And Mm -hmm. I just think about how much room that leaves for brilliance, not worrying about it. It just sounds like I kept chills, even though it's hot in here. (laughs) (laughs) It just is so beautiful. Yeah. And you're right. The mental capacity that you spend. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the gymnastics that you do where you're like, all right, I got to work out at this particular time because I have a hair appointment here and then I can't work out for three days. But then I have X, Y, Z to do. So I got to make sure that I schedule those gymnastics that we do to sort of ensure that our hair is in this particular. And then let's say your hair doesn't look good. I remember it would ruin my entire day, my entire week if my hair was not done. Mm -hmm. Or like if someone didn't say my hair looked good on a particular day. And so this mental liberation of just like reclaiming that amount of time was so freeing. Yes. And as a black woman, I mean, there is, I, I honestly think there's nothing more liberating than like the one, we have many beauty standards that are imposed on us, but I think one of the largest is around our hair. Yep. And sort of negating and actively negating that in a thoughtful yeah. way. It wasn't done from a place of vanity, but mm-hmm. just like from a place of like radical liberation yeah. and being able to negate the, the the biggest beauty standard that I think is placed on us and kind of not care mm-hmm. is just like the confidence that you get from taking inspired action from a place of like wholeness and authenticity Yes, is amazing. Yes. And doing something purely because you want For to you. do it and you feel called to do it. Yeah. Because how many times in our life do we do things like that where we take really scary action, antithetical to what we've been taught and what we've been programmed to believe? Because like taking a good job is not antithetical. Like we we take risks often in our Mm -hmm. life. We start a new job. We move to a new city. Those are all really good. But when you do something that is antithetical to everything that you've been programmed, that like boost in self-worth that you get from doing those things Mm -hmm. is just unmatched. Mm -hmm. so so good thank you so much for just sharing that experience of course of course it's amazing so as we kind of round out the conversation Mm -hmm. you know when this comes out it's going to be towards the end of the year we're heading towards 2024 Mm -hmm. how are you feeling heading into the new year what's inspiring you Mm -hmm. what is your 2024 glow up looking like ah i i am really big on quantifying everything Mm -hmm. I get mistaken for a Virgo a lot because people mm. are always like, are you a Virgo? Because I'm very big <laughs> around like planning and mm-hmm. mapping, et cetera. So I always have like my quadrants of how I want to glow up. And I yes. think about like the physical aspect. I think about the interrelational aspect. I think about the career and finance aspect, mm-hmm. the mind and spiritual aspect. Mm-hmm. And I have sort of started to create a plan of action to tackle all of those, mm-hmm. whether it be from a physical aspect, working out more and moving my body mm-hmm. a little bit more than I have. I haven't, I started a new job a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And so just 
going into the office has not boded well with me working out, but how can I integrate that into my lifestyle? Mm -hmm. From a social aspect, thinking about, I joined a mentorship opportunity where I get to mentor with other young professionals, Mm -hmm. but also joining junior boards and Mm -hmm. exploring that optionality and exploring which conferences and events. I'm going to Art Basel at the end of the year Mm -hmm. and for work, likely the Grammys as well. So Mm -hmm. exploring different expansive experiences, conferences, events, and sort of mapping that out for career and financial, really thinking about like creating a path of even greater financial freedom for me and thinking about how to be even more impactful in the work that I do day to day. And then intellectual and spiritual, just introducing my brain to new and novel knowledge all the time and making sure that I am constantly creating opportunities for my brain to interrogate new information is really important to me. Mm-hmm. I meditate a lot. I use a Think Up app, Insight mm-hmm. Timer. So mm-hmm. I'm always using these sort of tools to help me, you know, build the skill of meditation and yeah. insightfulness and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So I always divide it out into like these quadrants that I can tackle yes. and I can kind of say, what do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. Or what do I want to experience in the yep. next year? Yes. And what do I need to do to curate that, those sort of experiences? Mm-hmm. So if I want to feel inspired by incredible women, yeah. women of color who are killing it in their career, yeah. okay, I'm going to go to a conference mm-hmm. like Add Color or Afrotech or yeah. ColorCom, et cetera. Because mm-hmm. I know those are experiences where I'll be expanded. Yes. Or I want to live a life in which I don't have to think about, you know, paying my rent for xyz amount of time Mm -hmm. okay great then i'm going to start thinking about ways that i can have a consulting business Mm -hmm. or do a startup or save x amount of money in the next year so i can feel this level of financial freedom so Mm -hmm. centering on the feeling and the experiences that i want to have Mm -hmm. and then building those sort of quadrants out to really understand what are the inspired actions that i need to take in order to experience that Mm -hmm. so part of it is feeling centric and emotion centric Mm -hmm. and the other part is the doing and being centric that i think both of those are, are required, but I'm excited for 2024. I think it's going to be expansive. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And I'm also, I'm also chilling. Like mm-hmm. part of it is also just like ease. Yes. Like I feel like we can kind of like type A ourselves a mm-hmm. lot into doing and doing and doing. And I'm kind of resting in the being yes. right now and the experiencing and the feeling. And that's just where I'm at. Yes. And maybe it'll change, but right now I'm kind of good with this sentiment and this feeling. No, that's so good. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of entering our 30s, Mm because in your 20s, I feel like you can have all this anxiety to Mm -hmm. think I have to have everything figured out right now. And then when you enter your 30s, you're like, I don't actually. I I never have everything figured out and I want to actually enjoy this ride. And I think it does create this mental sense Mm -hmm. of like, I want to enjoy myself. And yes, I have this focus Mm -hmm. and I want to enjoy what I'm doing in the present as well. Exactly. I think I think the the disillusionment sort of creeps in in your 30s mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, I did all of these things, mm-hmm. but life still doesn't exactly look like how, how it was designed to look right. like or how I thought it was going to look like. Yes. And so you kind of come to grips with like, I was expecting X, Y, Z, and I did all the things that I was supposed to do to get X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. I don't have X, Y, Z. Right. So let me just figure out, like, let me realign, let me readjust, let me figure out what feels good and kind of leave these like antiquated playbooks behind. And I think in your 20s, you're very big on like structure and step one, step two. And now in your 30s, you're kind of like structure yields, doesn't always yield the benefit that you expect it. Let me just enjoy the ride and kind of sit back and see what feels good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I love those four different quadrants that you have. You're inspiring me. Now I'm like, okay, let me go map out what I want my 2024 to look like. Yes. The quadrants are helpful, especially for the people who I like a resolution, but Mm -hmm. I also just like to tackle it in the concept of like, you know, there's an exercise called the the wellness wheel Mm -hmm. that I also utilize. Mm -hmm. Um, And once again, it's these pillars of wellness across spirituality, well-being, money, et cetera. And anything that is a little bit lower, you kind of create a plan of action to increase. Yeah. And so using that wellness wheel can help inform like what your quadrants should be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, physical, spiritual, social, intellect, et cetera, those are all interchangeable. But whatever you want to focus on for the next year, Mm -hmm. creating a plan of action, I think also just creates a a system for you to get it done versus sort of leaving it up to this nebulous, I would like to lose 10 pounds. Instead, you're creating a system of I'm getting a personal trainer. I'm the sort of person who now consumes healthy food. So Mm -hmm. the quadrants really help with like the action orientation piece of it. Absolutely. It's helpful. For sure. And it can help you focus. Like let's say there's things that you want to do, but maybe the finances aren't there. Okay, well, then that financial quadrant is what you focus on for a while to make the other things possible. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yes. 
Jody, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I feel so inspired and I'm just so grateful for with you for sharing with all of us. Please let everybody know where they can keep in touch with you. Yeah. My TikTok is Jody K Tay. Jody spelled J-O-D-I-E. K as in Kimberly and Tay as in T-A-Y. My Instagram is JKT823, which is my Northwestern student ID. So <laughs> that's why it's so random. But most of my content is posted on my TikTok. So that's how you can Amazing. find me. Perfect. We'll make sure your info is linked in the show notes hey. too. So it's easy for people to find you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank this so is much. surreal and serendipitous oh. once again. So oh my goodness. it's an honor. Well, I just appreciate everything that you shared and just all the gems drop. Ah, yes. Amazing. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. So thank y'all for tuning in this week. If you liked this episode, please make sure you leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. And I will see you next Tuesday. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.